0: edition of the College Gridiron Showcase Watchlist Show, tracking the top NFL Draft prospects on the scene each and every week, brought to you by the NFL Draft Bible, broadcasting around the globe, with your hosts, Joe Everett, Justin Gamble, and me, the RIT, Rick, Service. we are on air. Oh yeah, you're tuned in to the biggest, the best, the best NFL Draft preview show, it's the College Gridiron Showcase Watchlist Show, counting down to the 4th Annual College Gridiron Showcase and Symposium, January 6th through the 10th in Addison, Texas. Make sure you log on for all the info and details, cgsallstar.com. We're going to be talking about it all show long, and that's what we do here on the College Gridiron Showcase watch list. We talk about senior prospects, NFL draft prospects, CBS uh, Watch List Awards, FBS Watch List Awards, Under the Radar Players, Marquee Matchups, all that good stuff, and a whole lot, lot more. But I am your host, Rick Saratella. Whew, breaking it down, telling you like it is for the NFL Draft. That's what we've been doing since 2002 over at the NFL Draft Bible dot com, and we'll have some announcements there as well, but today is about the Cod's Good Iron Showcase, and to talk about it, we have one of the co-founders from the Cod's Good Iron Showcase and Symposium. He is Craig Red. We welcome him in on the Defiance Fuel. See if we can get Craig Red back on the line there. It looks like we're having a little bit of difficulties in the meantime. We'll welcome in the stars of the show, Justin Gamble and Joe Everett, on that Fine School Hotline. How are we doing today, fellas? We are here. Yeah. All right, cool. So we're going to see if we can get Craig Red popped back in. I saw him on the uh, switchboard. It's live radio, folks. These things tend to happen. We'll see if we can get Craig back in the meantime. Let's see one more time. We got Craig Red on the hotline. Craig, are you with us?
1: I am with you.
0: All right, awesome. So Craig, we got Joe, we got Justin, we got Ric in a place to be. But more importantly, we were talking earlier today about the pro free agent gridiron showcase brought to you by Instant Scouting. Tell us a little bit more about the details. Absolutely. Um, Well, it's.
1: Really, our, our free agent event is really one of a kind. It is a padded event. So we'll do, you know, the typical 40 and, and short shuttle without pads, and then, then we suit our guys up and, and, and put the pads on, and then we have a padded practice to let those guys really get, at, get after it and show the NFL scouts that will be there and, and all the other pro scouts what they can do. Uh, Where we're very different, though, is, as I said, it's, it's a padded we event. Lost. We lost Okay. Go ahead, Chris. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you dropped um, out
0: for a second, but you're good.
1: Okay. It, it, it's a padded event, but we'll have about seven different leagues there. Uh, over the past two years that we've done this event, we have averaged about 10 to 12 NFL teams in attendance, uh, we have the CFL there and really a, a host of, of other leagues. So it's really a great opportunity for for someone who's looking to catch back on football, get themselves back in front of some scouts. It's a great opportunity to, uh, to come and do it all in one place. And that will be January 6th of 2018, that event. Did, did I lose you guys again? I'm, I'm still here. We may have dropped Rick there, but that's okay. We've got professional hosts here, so that that that's all right. You, but that <laughs> that's that that's what makes our our event you know a little bit different than others is you know teams get to see you not just in shorts and t-shirts, but they get to see you padded up and getting a chance to really go at it with the players and. As Rick had mentioned, you know our, our title sponsor for the event uh, for a second year is instantscouting.com. So we're really excited to have them back and, and make the announcement that they're back with us. So uh, this should really be a, a great event. And as I said, it's going to be January 6th of 2018.
2: Well, I uh, thought, interesting... but one of the interesting parts I love from last year, and I think, you know, some of these guys that are thinking about the free agents should consider themselves, like, the coaches we have down there, they go just as hard with those free agent guys as we do with the the incoming rookies here, I'd say if not more so, so they're getting a lot of, uh, not only good coaching, but they're getting a really great workout in just to start, and uh, like you mentioned, not only the scouts seeing that, but... Just the interaction. I think that in itself is just the, the teaching aspect of it. You know, it's worth it.
1: Everything we try to do is, is bring value to, the, to help these athletes. And you're, you're right. Our coaches do get after it. Um, our coaches have a passion, they love what they do. And so, you know, that shows in everything that they do, every workout. It doesn't matter if you're an incoming rookie or, or not, they, they want to get after it. They want to help you. They want to put you in the best position that you can show these other, other teams and the scouts from these other leagues what you can do.
0: All right. Well, Hey Craig, uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us. We're going to keep it moving, keep it grooving, but CGS We have the watch list show. We have sponsors that can get on board with, with the game, with the documentary, uh, what else? Parting shots for the website that's going on there.
1: Uh, you know, we're going through some changes. So if you want to find out some stuff on the free agent event, go to progridironshowcase.com, and that will give you everything about our free agent event. Uh, you know, we have some some more upcoming things that will hit maybe next week. You know, but again, I dropped a nugget about scouting. We are doing a scouting workshop. So for all those of you who are interested in scouting, we are having a scouting workshop taught by three former NFL scouts. So stay tuned. We'll drop some more information here on next week's show.
0: Craig, if they want to get on board early with that scouting workshop, what's the best email?
1: Uh, You can send it to info at cgsallstar.com, and we'll get you all the information out. We'll get you the registration links. Uh, That will also be on cgsallstar.com. You know, on the website, we have a, a section for, you know, the, the workshops uh, for both scouting and trainer's workshops. So, but if you want to send an email and find out some more information, info at cgsallstar.com, and we will get you everything you need.
0: All right, Craig, we will chat next week, my friend. We're uh, four months away from that fourth annual College Gridiron Showcase and Symposium down in Addison. 98 sections. days. <laughs> but who's really counting, right? <laughs> All right, we'll catch you next week, my man. All right, have a good one, guys. All right, All right you great. got it. That's uh, Craig Red, co-founder of the Cod's Gridiron Showcase and Symposium, along with Jose Jefferson. And like you guys were talking about, I mean, the coaches, Marvin Jones and Wayne Anderson and Nate Poole and uh, uh, so many – good coaches. The list goes on and on. It's really great experience, and I think the Rams actually volunteered to run that Pro Free Agent Showcase because they had seven scouts down there this past year, but gentlemen, uh, we welcome
1: We this Rick again there, or...
0: You hearing
2: me, Justin? Yeah, I'm I'm
0: there. Okay. Here we are. Joe and we got got Justin back. All right. Very good. So, uh, gentlemen, we are approximately a quarter of the way through the football season, four weeks down, about three months to go, so a quarter of the way through, and uh, we're going to run through... Our weekly award segments, we have a Miami at Duke preview along with Northwestern at Wisconsin. So uh, to do that, we welcome in Joe Everett, Justin Gamble. You can follow them on Twitter, at Joe W. Everett, at Game Scout, of course, at NFL Draft Bible for all the latest hard-hitting news and information. But let's start off with our s p
3: Hello, hello. Hello. Yeah. Do I still got you guys?
2: Yeah, yeah I can hear you, Justin.
3: <laughs> All right, I think we lost Rick again, but I think he was about to ask or about to start off with the FBS play of the week, so I'll go ahead and get started, man. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna start with a little action, action for you, Joe. Um, this week, I in the uh, I was watching the Miami Toledo game, and um, I was noticing both quarterbacks actually that. Uh, I'd like to give the award to Logan Woodside, the Toledo QB man. And I was watching him, and, he, you know, he was impressive. He was playing well, and he was just doing so many things that, you know, kind of jumped off the screen, like, this guy must be a veteran. This guy must have played for well. while. Um, and it was just so intriguing. Uh, Logan Woodside, a fifth-year senior um, out of, a, let's see, I think he went to a, a high school in Ohio. Anyway, started digging this kid had no offers till late. Um, he had Troy Western Kentucky, a few d two schools. He was at an Ohio quarterback camp actually with Malik Zaire, who was one of the highly touted recruits uh, Logan Woodside actually won a camp award and he asked Malik Zaire how many awards or uh, how many offers do you have and he goes about thirty five how many do you have and Logan goes, "I have zero, but I'll trade you this trophy for an offer um so <laughs> Long story short, the offers finally came in with the Troy, the Western Kentucky stuff. So, he was about to commit to Western Kentucky. Coach calls him from Toledo. He drives down and commits the next day. Um, It just feels like, you know, you watch this kid and research his career. He lost the starting job one year in 2014, I believe, um, back again. And since then, I mean, last year he put up just crazy numbers with 4,129 pass yards, 45 touchdown, nine picks. Um, this year he's already setting records again. He's got, I think 11 touchdowns and only one interception. Um, and when you watch him against Miami defense, just the resiliency and the leadership and the command of that offense that he had was so impressive. Uh, and I'm writing down in my notebook, you know, beautiful touch passer. He's dropping it the levels. He's, you know, throwing hole shots underneath the safety over the corner. He's looking off linebackers. Um, I don't, I don't see a strong, you know, beastly arm or anything. But he has enough juice to kind of threaten all areas of the field. And I mean, just the way that he can throw with touch and throw on time with command, um, it was really impressive. And the chemistry between him and Cody Thompson is also impressive. So I mean, I think this is a Sunday player coming out of the MAC here. Uh, he kind of reminded me a little of Christian Ponder coming out of Florida State with the mobility, kind of the, uh, kind of built for the West Coast offense with the not overwhelming arm but you know the accuracy underneath the timing the ability to read the field and diagnose what the defense is trying to do to him um this guy really impressed me last week
2: he reads defenses too and in that game what's funny is who looked like the acc quarterback there it was it was woodside and some of the stuff he was doing like you said looking off safeties and you know he may not have that Howitzer, but boy, is he functional. He gets offense moving, and that experience is just now in his fifth year. Yeah, he's shining.
3: Yeah, man, he. I was <clears throat> super impressed with both quarterbacks, but um, I didn't expect to come away thinking, "Hey, this kid from the MAC that plays for Toledo definitely has a Sunday skill set." But I, I, I really think that we have to toss his name into the quarterback pool when we talk about the class this year. So. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, I'm back with
0: you. Logan Woodside, love, I see. And, you know, any concerns, gentlemen, about the size and what he might measure in at? Because that's always a concern as well.
3: Yeah, that'll affect his stock. He's listed 6'2". I I can't tell what I would say he actually stands, but, I mean, he stands tall in the pocket. So, um, it didn't seem to be an issue at the time. Moving forward, I guess it's something to definitely monitor, though. All right, that's our FBS Player of
0: the Week, and uh, we're back out of the game, Rick Saratella, with Justin Gamble, Joe Everett here with the College Gridiron Showcase and Symposium Watchlist Show. We're resetting, we're getting started for this college football week number five action, and we have uh, an under the radar prospect coming your way. That's what we do here. We never leave a stone unturned. He is Joe Everett, and he has our under-the-radar prospect of the week. Give us a player, Joe, that you just did not know.
2: Well, I, I knew about him, but I didn't know he was in the senior class. Uh, the tight end at Central Florida, Jordan Aikens. Uh, this kid's been on the map. I mean, he's a big, fast, uh, he's more of a converted kind of receiver as opposed to traditional tight end. I think he's going to do a lot of H-back at the next level, but rare athleticism for his size and he's actually I think 25 years old maybe 26 he's that kid that uh, right out of high school I think he got drafted in the third or fourth round by the Texas Rangers so he he tried to play his baseball didn't pan out jump back to football around 22 23 but uh, I, I, I did the homework like on the school site he is listed as a senior uh, he didn't get a medical hardship for the only two game season he played in 2014 or 15 whatever it was so I just have to be honest, I thought he was a junior, did the digging. He's in this class, and I I love him. He's a mature kid. He's got that professional background. He also brings a great hand-eye coordination to the table. Uh, this guy will play special teams. He even returns kicks. Um, already two touchdowns on the season. So, I I just... I kind of had to just recheck things, reassess, and, yeah, I, I think he's one of the better tight ends in this class. I'm convinced no one believes he's a senior either. So, I've, But anyway, bottom line, regardless of what his eligibility is, he's going to be a 26-year-old rookie, so I would not expect him to, you know, stay at school if that's even a possibility with eligibility. But, uh, yeah, Akins is just uh, – a guy I think a lot of offensive coordinators would uh, device ways to get the hands in the the, the ball in his hands. I don't don't think he's as highly athletic as like a Gerald Everett last year from South Alabama, but this kid's right up there. And uh, once again, I just love the background already being a part of a professional team. That's something that I, I would assume coaches kind of take a shine into. It's like, yeah, He'll show up in game time. He's going to be ready. He's going to be in the right frame of mind. And so far, so good this season. If Aiken stays healthy, I think I think he's one of the best tight ends in this class.
0: Yeah, quite a journey from uh, Texas Rangers draft pick to uh, three years in the minors. I think he started off as a quarterback, then switched to wide receiver. Now he's at tight end. And uh, definitely a, a story. And if he makes it to the Cod's Gridiron Showcase and even on to the NFL – Uh, A guy, like you mentioned, Joe, 26 years old. This guy gave it a shot in the minors. Didn't pan out. A career 218 hitter in uh, over 1,100 at-bats. So the baseball thing didn't work out. Trying to give the football thing a go. But just great athleticism has been on the radar for the past several seasons. Finally starting to come into his own. And that's the -the under-the-radar player. Prospect of the Week brought to you by Premier Athlete Advisors. Check out premierathleteadvisors.com for all you aspiring pro prospects. Uh, Adam and Matt over there, they got some great techniques and, and methods for the NFL agency representation business, so definitely want to check them out. And now it's time for the FCS. Oh, no, we did the FCS. No. Rick, six huh, Six minutes. You're on. Hey, it's time for the FCS prospect watch list. I'm going through our rundown. I'm up on deck. And uh, the FCS prospect report is brought to you by TicketScore.com. TicketScore.com right now has your chance to win Super Bowl tickets. Check them out over at TicketScore.com. And, Brian, raise your hands if you're sure. Shout out to the – Swami, whether you love him or hate him, uh, no more Chris Berman this season, but I figured I'd pick up the slack with that one. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> Joe, as you
0: know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, picked up David Rivers from that FBS championship beatdown last year, and that was at the hands of Brian Shore, the John, uh, James Madison University quarterback. You know, again, a guy that's six foot one and a half, 215 pounds, kind of in that Logan Woodside uh, size category where You know you, you really want to see what he Measures out officially because That could sway uh, The pendulum for his draft stock But this guy is extremely accurate He led the nation in completion percentage Last year uh, Was the CAA Offensive Player of the Year But this guy If you talk to his coaches and teammates He's as cool as a cucumber Never rattled Has the ability to extend plays Last week 21 to 31, 281 yards, four touchdowns, just one interception, uh, raising his touchdown total to the dirty dozen on the season, uh, about a thousand yards passing on the year uh, through the first month of the season. But this guy has you talked about Jordan Aiken. This guy has an incredible background story. you talk about uh, he originally committed to Miami, Ohio. The coach was fired. His scholarship was yanked, uh, really was down to the bottom barrel on choices, went to Lackawanna College over in Scranton, PA, put in some work there. And then, you know, Drew Merringer, who was actually the Rutgers offensive coordinator just a year ago, he's the wide receivers coach for Texas currently, but he was the uh, James Madison QB coach at the time, and he was one of the coaches that Brian Ashore emailed his film from Lackawanna College to. And that's how he wound up at James Madison University. And they're on the verge of uh, possibly winning back to back FCS championships. But this, uh, Brian, raise your hands if you're sure, is definitely on the All Star radar as well as the College Gridiron Showcase radar. And, you know, these, these guys, they keep going the way they go. Um, Who knows? I mean, this could be a guy that's a valuable backup at the next level, in my opinion. So that's your FCS player of the week. And this is what we do each and every week. If you enjoy it, please share it, rate it, comment. We're on uh, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio. We're out there on NFLDraftBible.com. We're on the Twitterverse. So uh, we appreciate you spreading the word. And this show keeps growing and growing. I believe it's the best NFL draft prospect show if you want to talk about real drafts talk, and not just that mainstream media bubblegum first-round nonsense that they're going to feed you. I mean, we're talking about day two, day three, undrafted priority-free agents. Uh, This is what we do here. So we appreciate all the love and support, and we're going to be counting you down to that College Gridiron Showcase January 6th through the 10th, cgsallstar.com. And it's just about that time uh, where we preview the marquee matchups of the week. We've been previewing uh, some of the top games each and every week, telling you who the top prospects are to watch in each matchup. And uh, some of them may be seniors. Some of them may be underclassmen. These underclassmen are just too good to ignore. And why don't we start off with...
3: Hello? Did we lose Rick again?
2: Just cut off (laughs) What, do, you, guy, do you want man. to kick us off, Justin? Or?
3: Let's do this, man. Miami at Duke, right? Yeah, yeah. All, all right, here. I'll get started with Miami then. Um, let's see. First, let me talk about the Miami quarterback, Malik Rozier. I had no expectations. I didn't know who this guy was coming into the year. Um, two nights ago, I watched both games from him this year, and I am completely blown away. Um, not only is he look better than brad kyle was but he looks like he has you know a starting nfl skill set um I know it's only been two games it's early he's still improving there's things that he does you know that he needs to improve on big time but there's also so many things that this kid does that i mean you just really can't teach um him versus toledo some of the throws that not only he's making, but just simply that he's being asked to make, kind of show the comfortability that the coaches have with him um, and the confidence they have with him. I'm um, asking him to throw the deep outs, I mean the corner route, some of the concepts they're throwing at him. Um, he was tossing back shoulder balls to his guys, and he did it all without Amon Richards, um, probably one of the best receivers in the country, period. Um, I have written in my notes consistently putting the ball on – the correct shoulder underneath, the correct shoulder in the intermediate range. I mean, he's given his guys opportunities to run up to the catch. He's thrown into zones away from defenders several different times. I'm watching him look off linebackers underneath and then fire to the guy that the linebacker didn't go with. Um, He's got a smooth setup, really smooth setup. He's got a natural delivery, natural release. He's got the arm talent to throw the ball into any window. Um, He's mobile, um, and I I didn't want to – I didn't want to say this because I know everyone's going to lose their mind because it's kind of the, you can't do this nowadays, but he looks like senior year Dak at Mississippi from his, you know, uh, drop back to his setup, to his delivery, to the poise that he shows in the pocket and just kind of the way that he throws the ball, um, his ability pre-snap to always know where his guys are going to be and where his hot reads are. Uh, He looks like Dak senior year at Mississippi State. And I went in, you know, there was no, I had no bias. I had no you know, intentions of making that comparison early. But just watching him consistently, I'm like, you know, this is who he looks like. So uh, he is a redshirt junior. He is a senior technically, but he's a junior eligibility-wise. So he could declare. He could come out to some of the senior stuff. Um, I mean, man, I am blown away by Valencia Rozier. I hope he continues to grow this year. I hope when he continues to play tough competition like Duke, Florida State, that we see him. Um, continue this hot streak, man, because it is insane. Uh, Miami also has junior running back Mark Walton. Um, I told my friend this week, he looks like Zeke. And obviously I'm doing this, and now I just sound like a cliche analyst. But, I mean, this kid with the ability to run inside, the vision, the power, the ability to bounce bounce off contact and have that balance, um, he's just a well-rounded running back. He does well in pass pro. I think this is a borderline fringe first-round prospect, so definitely someone to keep uh, keep tabs on. And Braxton Berrios, the senior slot receiver, five nine one eighty six. 186. Um, if you liked Switzer last year from North Carolina, this kid is like Switzer on steroids. It's like Switzer supercharged. Um, he's not only quick and has great hands, but I think he's got some home run feet. I think he might win the four fours, And you can see that burst, that he's pulling away from some of these super athletes downfield. Um, I don't think he's a guy that you say, you know, we have to just you know, run him underneath. He can stretch the seam, and I think if you get him on, you know, some switch releases, get him on some wheel routes, if you get him a free release, he's going to light people up downfield. So, Darius um, is a guy that, again, I didn't have a lot of expectations with, but I watched him last year and through games this year. Um, this kid's got the goods, and I'm excited to finish – uh, watching him And Amon Richards The sophomore He's just probably Arguably the best receiver In the country um, There's not much He can't do He's lightning in a bottle He's 6'1, 190 He does everything You could ask of a receiver So uh, I'm pumped to see him And then I'll finish off With the defense real quick Chad Thomas Trent Harris Both seniors um, Defensive ends Chad Thomas is the big guy 6'6, 275 Trent Harris 6'2, 248 But Trent Harris Has, uh, has some get off on him Man If you give him You know, if you underset him slightly, he's flying around you. And then we got Kendrick Thornton on the defensive tackle, uh, or on the D-line, a defensive tackle, powerful space eater, just jacking dudes up. Cornerback senior, E. Delaney, 6'1", 193. Um, Long dude, lanky frame, kind of looks like the prototype, press corner. I'm not sure he's pressed is where he's best at. He might be a good, you know, cover three off guy, but um, another quality player to watch. And then the safety, Jaquan Johnson, Uh, brings the boom sometimes he's rangy back there haven't got a lot to look at him yet as he's only played two games against kind of subpar talent but again as the ACC schedule kicks in I'm excited to see some of these guys either step up to the competition or kind of fall by the wayside so uh, Miami's got a good crew I think they can actually go pretty far with the consistency of Rozier at quarterback so uh, what say you Joe give me the Duke rundown
2: that's going to be a tough one, especially, as you mentioned, Mon Richards, uh, I think he's listed probable for this game. So if he plays, I don't know yeah, if there's a you- corner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's going to be a tough ask for these corners. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I'm looking at a high-scoring game with the experience these teams have on offense. And uh, I just started off with the senior, Sean Wilson. I, I could have used him as the under-the-radar player, uh, just a real compact kind of runner. He's a great pass catcher and a dangerous kick returner, I think you could ask Indiana from the pinstripe bowl about how well he, he takes kicks back. Um, and it's, it's not that he's a lightning speed guy. I think he's more deceptive. Like, people just don't believe it. But before you know it, he's got a string of defenders in his wake. So, uh, I look at Sean Wilson. I just see a, a guy that does a lot well. Maybe he's the, the jack-of-all-trades master and none, but I'd assume teams would look at him and, and be excited about how many different things uh, that he can do. So I, I think he's definitely going to make a roster. I don't know what, what, what the draft stock is, but I just don't see a lot of weakness to his game. So that they'll use him run uh, running, catching special teams. I like their two tackles. They've got a big... Big old senior at right tackle. I think he's a Ohio State grad transfer. I may have the transfer school wrong, but Evan Lyle, 6'7", just a behemoth. I think he has a chance to play for, like, a more of a power running team. I don't I don't like him in pass pro, but uh, that's a, a guy with some unique potential because he didn't even play at Ohio State. I think he was a backup his whole career before he got to Duke. So this is his uh, footage. And then their, their left tackle, Gabe Brandner. Is a real nice thick kid. Got a, a pretty sweet kick slide. I think he has a chance actually to potentially play some tackle at the next level. We'll see. Uh, but uh, yeah, I like their quarterback. He's uh, as far as the underclassman on Duke, uh, Daniel Jones. He can throw to a spot. He's. He, I, I know it sounds corny, but he just throws a catchable ball. He's but uh, dangerous. You know when he breaks the pocket. You know, no Lamar Jackson by any means, but he's an effective scrambler and. I just love how he can change his platform, how he can change the type of throw that he puts. He can put it online if he needs to. He can take some steam off, but he understands when to do it. And once again, I just, uh, it's a catchable pass. He knows how to throw receivers open. So I think uh, what he's able to do on the fly, kind of multitask, he keeps his eyes down on the field when he scrambles. There's just, I'm seeing a a lot of good at Daniel Jones, Uh, the anticipation and everything. It's just it also doesn't hurt you know, Dave Cudcliffe, one of the foremost quarterback whispers. Uh, if I look at Daniel Jones, though, I'm hoping he stays in school one more year because by the time next year comes around and he's a senior, he's just going to be a polished-up prospect that will shred some defenses. I've got to imagine. Um, and then the other uh, player I'm really into uh, TJ Ramming, that receiver they got, uh, This is another. I don't care what he runs, I don't care what he tests at, he just gets open. He creates the separation. He just finds ways to do it. Uh, I think it's just because he's so slippery as a route runner, and uh, he's got some moves to the catch, but I think what he's got as a player, he really has found out how to maximize it. Uh, the ability to stop and start is where he can really beat people down in coverage. So I, I think ramming should have a big game here, and really, I'm just schematically in this game, you, you're looking at a dynamite front seven for Miami. I don't know how much running they're going to be able to do, so I would assume Dave Cutcliffe is going to have to get creative, use Jones in the passing game, and I don't know. I'm looking at a pretty high-scoring game here, fellas. I think
3: so. I don't well, think Joe, it's going to be take the over. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm.
2: I,
0: and if I could jump in there, I mean, Duke is averaging 88 plays per game on offense, and if you think about it with those that hurricane Uh, that came through, Miami hasn't played a game in 21 days. So they're going to go up against that high up-tempo offense. And you you talk about Daniel Jones, um, David Cutcliffe, as you know, the quarterback whisperer, um, he says this guy's an NFL player. He's got the size, the arm strength, the mentality, the toughness. As you know, he can run. But you take a look at what he brings to the table, the accuracy, the touch, Velocity in tight windows, the touch on the deep passes. Uh, this guy is a potential first-round pick, borderline, if he keeps trending in the same direction. And, you know, Justin, I know you spoke about uh, Walton and stop-and-go, the breaks. This guy's got 352 rushing yards in the first two games for the Hurricanes. You want to talk about an instinctual back. Uh, Mark Walton, maybe the best guy since Clinton Portis to come out of there. Uh, quite honestly, and I think he can go very high, maybe day two.
3: Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And I I'm looking at him, and I can't find a weakness in his game. I mean, he's got the long speed, he's got the power, he's got the balance, he's got the cuts in the open field. I mean, he's not Shady McCoy, but he's dancing around people. And I mean, if you commit to the wrong angle, he's going to make you pay. Um, I don't I don't see you no know, if if this wasn't a Barkley if Barkley wasn't in this class and this class wasn't so deep overall, I think Walton's probably a first round pick. Am I am I wrong?
0: You know, it's interesting. I think he falls in that Ralph Webb category where he's just an impressive runner, but can you justify using a first round pick on him when you got when you have guys available to you like a Saquon Barkley or like a Darius Geis? So You know, it'll be an interesting draft conversation and a topic as we get closer to the draft. But, Joe, I know you've been high on him as well in the past.
2: As far as Walton, what really knocks me out is you mentioned the production he's already got this year. I'm pretty sure he gained 15, maybe just 10 pounds, but he was not 205 last season, and he hasn't missed a beat. He's still got that side to side. He's got the jukes and he's still got all his speed. I just, uh, with adding all that weight, and he's clearly bulked up uh, just on his arms and his sides, you can see. But that with adding that and still uh, retaining his explosion, I think that's uh, definitely a, a, a boost in his stock.
0: So that'll be a lot of fun later on tonight. Uh, they'll have the Friday night stage. To themselves and David Cutcliffe Apologizing because You know this new uh, college football Rule where they have to play at least One game a year on Friday night he apologized To the high schools that this Is a high school night they don't want to be playing But they have to abide by the rules so uh, Number 14 Miami Traveling into uh, undefeated Duke 4-0 two undefeated teams Friday night tonight now That's the ACC let's let's, uh, Shift gears fellas to the Big 10, where, you know, Wisconsin, there's a lot of talk around this number 10-ranked Wisconsin team that they can run the table. And if you take a look at their schedule, really, uh, if they can get past Northwestern squad, the only other real challenge down the road is going to probably be Michigan. Michigan. Uh, which is the second-to-last game of the year. So Wisconsin has a, a pretty clear path if they can run the table into the college football championship. But um, Northwestern, this is a rivalry no matter, you know, what the team's records are in years past. Uh, this has always been a close game. And a couple of tidbits here, um, you know, this kid, John Taylor, i got to give a, give a shout-out to Jersey, of course, You know, these Jersey running backs that go to Wisconsin all the way back to Ron Dane, I don't know what it is. Uh, The Salem, New Jersey uh, product freshman leading the uh, Big Ten in rushing, number five in the country, 438 yards rushing already, 146 yards per game. But, uh, you know, it's just remarkable some of these freshman running backs that have bursted onto the college football scene this year. He's just another of a long line of them. And then you talk about the other side of the spectrum where Justin Jackson of Northwestern, a senior, is knocking down the door, needs 108 yards rushing. He might get it this game to break the Wildcats' all-time rushing yardage uh, record held by Damian Anderson circa 97 to 2000. But uh, let's start with this matchup here, and we have Northwestern at Wisconsin. Uh, Gentlemen, I don't know who wants to jump in first here, but run with it. Take it away, Joe. All
2: right, well, I'm glad I got Northwestern as the team I watched a little bit. Justin Jackson, uh, the senior, i start with him. I'm I'm a little more impressed with the Duke back. That's just watching him kind of back to back before the show. Uh, he's also a guy that knows how to get behind his pad, and one thing Jackson does is run off of contact uh, real well. He sizes up those defenders, and understands how to take that glance and blow, keep his balance, and just bounce it off of contact. Uh, and the balance, the quicks, uh, he's he's got all those. So I just, you know, at the next level, I'm not sure that he's a pile mover by any means. He's not going to be your short down back, but this is another guy. He catches the ball well. He's instinctive. He'll find his way to the chains and uh, just to keep ahead of the chains, for uh, lack of a better term. And, yeah, I think that'll be – Kind of a valuable member of a committee at the next level. Um, I like their little tight end. I don't know if he's an H-back, the like Garrett Dickerson. He's a pretty neat kid. I think that's he'll probably be an H-back at the next level. It's a guy that, you know, he does a lot for this offense in the running game as well as the pass. And then uh, just sticking to seniors that we talked about on the safety show, uh, Godwin Igibuque, uh, that that's a real leader a big-time motivator. I think he's a form tackler. He's got athletic. He's chased his plays down from behind. I mean, there's a lot to love about his game. I think he's, uh, he's he may be one of the best players on this whole roster. Just uh, so good out in coverage. He, he You know, it's it's just so natural for him with his footwork and staring at the quarterback. They um, just uh, – he also has – pretty daggone good ball skills for being on the, on the defensive side. And then uh, his other safety senior, uh, Kyle Cuero, I think um, he's just he doesn't excel as much at coverage, more there for run support. I think he's kind of a faux linebacker at 6'3", 200-plus. Uh, but those two in the back half are uh, definitely those safety valves that you like to see. And I'll just have to start this off with an admission of, I don't want to say failure, get it wrong, but I watched a bowl game last year, uh, and Blake Hans, their their left tackle, up against Pittsburgh, just uh, stuffing people. Loved his footwork, and apparently Hans lost his gig as the starting left tackle. Uh, some sophomore, uh, Jared Thomas, Jared Thompson. I don't know who replaced him, but uh, he kicked it into guard, and that that was what happened for the two first games. But watching the the, the last game, I I got the chance to see. He kicks back out to left tackle because this Jared Thomas got injured, and no coincidence the offense all of a sudden starts moving uh they're moving the ball against Duke, I believe it was, and you know I don't know if the coach is going to see this. I still believe Blake Han should stick at left tackle bottom line he's to me, is a Sunday offensive lineman. Great, great body, great length, and really just a natural power that he has. Um, that I guess Northwestern's kind of going with the youth movement at tackle, but that's a guy who's played a ton of snaps. I think he started as a true freshman out to left tackle. So Pants is a guy I'll be watching pretty closely where he lines up specifically against this Badger Stee and, and just how effectively he is because I just don't believe he's a guard. I think he needs to play tackle and. You know we'll we'll keep tabs on Blake Hans and then the the quarterback. Um, I mean, he's very productive. Throws to a spot. He does his job, and I don't question that he knows his playbook. But I don't know that he's highly athletic. I mean, he kind of looks clunky in the pocket. And the Northwestern offense, I I do not see a lot of pro throws to judge. Just a lot of safies, wheel route, digs, little screens, and nothing too complex. I think they uh, Thorson's a the guy they just like to keep him in his comfort zone, and there ain't nothing wrong with that, you know. But uh, with a defense like this, I think you got to take a, a few more chances. And that's, if anything I noticed about Thorson, I'm questioning if he could throw to his left. And throwing across his body is definitely something that uh, takes away off his steam. I mean, he has no problem scrambling, rolling out right, getting the bootleg going that way. But uh, when you ask him to go to the other side, it's uh, it looks to me like a completely different story. And we've heard of a Northwestern quarterback just like that by the name of Trevor Simeon. So I don't know if it's the offense or the guys they're recruiting, the chicken or the egg. But uh, I'm not convinced on Clayton uh, Thorson as of yet. But, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> – Uh, They're going to have some problems stopping this run game Is my prediction (laughs) for this game
0: Yeah well Thorson is getting the experience here Uh, You know parts of three seasons now
2: Starting another
0: year of eligibility to go Justin on the flip side Wisconsin always a very talent laden squad Very New Jersey rich laden roster But uh, who are some of these guys here on the Wisconsin football squad, we've spoken about Troy uh, Fumagalli. You say Fumagalli, I say Fumagalli. Uh, he's <laughs> attracting quite a few headlines here during the college football season.
3: Yeah, I mean, Fumagalli, a redshirt senior. Um, he's a big guy. I think he's about six, six. He's got enough bulk um, to play in line. I, I think – you look at his frame and you think there's no way this guy blocks. Like, come on. I mean, he's, he's a little lean and you just think there's not enough bulk there, but the way that he battles and the way that he uses his leverage and his kind of hips to keep guys, you know, off him and turn them outside and make lanes for the running back. It's impressive because I said he doesn't look like he should be able to do it, but I mean, he's battling his balls off in there. Um, so I think he's one of those dudes that just has the functional strength of a much bigger man Um, and then when you ask him to run downfield it's a little clunky it's a little funky it kind of looks like Gronk where you're running and you're cringing because you're like is he gonna fall or is he gonna what's he doing but he kind of builds up speed and gets past the linebackers and next thing you know he's making a spectacular catch downfield and defenses are like holy crap you know how do we let this dude catch on us but He's got a huge catch rate. he's got gorgeous hands. Um, he's only got nine fingers. He's one of his uh, one of his hands only has four, and he's catching balls that I feel like dudes with ten fingers can't make sometimes. So, um, he's kind of what I would imagine would be an NFL quarterback safety blanket. Um, you know the underneath stuff, the seam, the hot reads. He's you throw the ball anywhere and he's gonna come down with it. Um, and he can block. So I think I don't know he's going to test great in a straight line athleticism test stuff like that but i mean he's a guy who can play in the nfl on sundays um uh, and then redshirt junior left tackle michael Dieter. uh he's played guard and center his whole career up until this year um and they moved him to left tackle he is on the preseason list for the outland and rimington trophies um he's 6'6 about 330 maybe a little under 330 um and he looks he looks to have an NFL skill set. He kind of looks like he should be getting more hype. I think I'm excited to watch him play against more of the big 10 teams because so far they've played, you know, Utah state and some of these cupcakes um, and by no means is BYU a cupcake, but when you don't see him against the best athletes, you don't really get to gauge his reactional criticism and kind of see what he does when he's forced you know, to get that kick slide and to pass set, you know, in a hurry. So Moving forward, I definitely want to see what he does against Iowa, against Maryland, against Michigan, Nebraska, some of these better teams with better talent, see how he holds himself, see if he's a real knee bender, um, check out his technique and pass pro. He's a people mover. We already know that. He's a typical Wisconsin lineman. He gets out there and he buries dudes. But I want to see what his pass protection looks like. Um, another senior, Jazz P V wide receiver. Uh, he's a little undersized. He's I forget what he measures in that, but he's just kind of your normal jag. He's another guy, but he's your freaking blue-collar, badger wide receiver, reliable guy. I don't see great athleticism. I don't see anything spectacular in his skill set. But, I mean, as far as college football goes, this guy kind of does it all. Uh, I think they've used him on some end rounds, some screens. He catches downfeeds. He does everything for them. He's probably going to be a part of your free agent. He'll have a tough time sticking somewhere, but, I mean – This is another guy like Wisconsin. He's got that response and resilience. He's going to battle his butt off. So um, the offense, I wouldn't say they're loaded, but they have enough um, on this Badger squad to, you know, to get it going and run that power game and beat people up. On the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they're loaded with seniors. um, All over the place, they got Alec James, redshirt senior at defensive end. Connor Sheehy, the other side defensive end, senior. Uh, Garrett Gouley, inside linebacker, senior. Uh, Richard Jr., inside linebacker, TJ Edwards, outside linebacker, Leon Jacobs, Richard Sr., Uh, got seniors in the secondary. This whole defense has no excuse to underperform this year. I think they have the chemistry. They play like they trust each other, and that's the important thing on defense is when you don't trust the guy next to you, it's hard to do your assignment when you're trying to fill in for the other guy. But this unit finally looks like they've come together, and they play balls to the wall. They play on fire. Um, and they play discipline, they play sound, they're good tacklers. I Like you guys were talking earlier, Michigan, Iowa, Maryland, Nebraska, I think those are the four teams I want to see how these guys stack up against those, you know, that kind of true Big Ted talent, see if any of them start to really pop off the tape and kind of show themselves as NFL prospects. But, I mean, overall, this Wisconsin team is built for a national championship run this year.
0: Well, that brings me into my next question. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Justin. Drift away from the NFL draft conversation just a little bit. But, you know, last week we discussed it. Right now, Alabama, Clemson, and Oklahoma are pretty locked in. I think we would all agree with the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12. Those three teams are are looking pretty locked and solid. You know, granted, there's – 75% 75% of the season left to go. But we asked you last week about Penn State, who's sitting there at number four in both the AP and the coaches poll. You felt they weren't one of the top four teams in the nation. I'm curious to know, after studying Penn State last week, studying Wisconsin this week, not sure how much you've had a chance to watch the 2017 Wolverines, but Michigan's sitting there at number seven, is this fourth playoff team going to come from the Big Ten? Will it come down to that Michigan-Wisconsin matchup, the second-to-last game of the season? And if so, who will prevail? Or will it be one of these West Coast outsiders of USC or Washington sneaking in there for the fourth spot, in your opinion, Justin? And then I'll come back to you, Joe, just curious what you think.
3: All right, well, uh, I don't have a USC schedule in front of me. I wish that was something I did have right here, but I don't. Um, looking ahead, I think Wisconsin is the team to beat. I think the other two teams, I think Michigan has too many wild cards. I think Wilton Spate can be just downright bad sometimes, and they kind of get slow starts. I I don't have a whole lot of faith in them, and I'm, I'm not even sure why. But I think it, it might be Spate just <laughs> – he might feel like the curse to me, to uh, Michigan. Penn State – They, for me, they don't have the depth. They don't have the depth and the overall discipline. I think Trace McForley is a huge wild card. I think their offensive line, defensive lines can be wild card. Um, Sometimes they're amazing. Sometimes they kind of get dominated against teams. They shouldn't get dominated. I think Wisconsin is probably the best. They're the most well-coached. They're the most consistent. They have the um, experience on both sides of the ball. Um, And they have a quarterback who's, Pretty darn consistent. I mean, Hornibrook has his ups and downs, but I think he knows his role in the offense. And I think with the uh, Jonathan Taylor running back, they, they finally have that dynamic guy that is kind of the backup for the – I mean, before it was like, you know, we don't have that run game. We don't have that dynamic playmaker that can kind of set us over. It's going to be all on the quarterback. Well, this year it feels like John Taylor can actually get a load a little bit. and He can do things to defenses that – you know, you have to game plan for and you have to set to give attention to. Uh, and it kind of opens up a lot of other things. Their defense is great, I think. Their defense is going to step up against these big teams. I think Wisconsin takes that four spot.
0: Okay, well, Joe, uh, we haven't even gotten into Ohio State. That loss against Oklahoma really damaged their national championship hopes. But, hey, if one or two of these teams lose a game, then they could – trickle back into the mix. How do you see that college football championship shaking out, assuming, you know, the Alabama-Clemson-Oklahoma holds up?
2: Did we lose Joe? Joe, are you with us? Sorry, sorry. I muted myself. My bad. Uh, (sighs) I really – I don't want to get rid of my Washington stock right now. Uh, that's something I just I, I can't rule them out of anything right now especially with, with their schedule haven't gotten the best Colorado Oregon State Cal Arizona State or um, maybe Oregon maybe Stanford catches them but if they run the table uh, they, they they get a stamp ticket there so uh, yeah I would I would look at Penn State as opposed to uh, Wisconsin just because of I think we talked about it last uh, time on the show just there's so many bailouts on this offense I don't care if it's Saquon breaking that long run or Miss Sorley getting loose and finding somebody. And then you got Hans Gesicki to, to do a jump ball. I mean, there's a lot of different outs that they could get out of a tough game in. And then the rest of their schedule, I mean, maybe Michigan catches them. And then at Ohio State, October 28th, that's, the, that's for the marbles, I think. But, yeah, if I had to pick a four, um, I'd be worried about Wisconsin. I still think they got Purdue now. Purdue and Jeff Brom are no joke I've been just clearly impressed with them and when when Purdue goes to a pole game this year guys that is going to be signed field delivered coach of the year Jeff Brom uh in my opinion but uh yeah the Big Ten is just so tough to get out of is the 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 difficulty there so I guess that's why I lean Huskies they just return so much talent and you know we could go ad nauseum on them but with that returning quarterback and Miles Gaskin and all his spin moves. Uh there there's there's just a ton of talent, great experience and one heck of a coach <laughs> for Washington.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting uh race. You mentioned Purdue. I was I was hoping to see a little bit more there last week against that game against uh Michigan, but we will uh Continue to keep it moving and grooving. It's uh, Joe Everett, Justin Gamble, Rick Saratella here winding down to the nitty-gritty, and we're going to get some parting shots. But first, uh, some news and notes from some uh, College Gridiron Showcase watch list players on the watch list that suffered season-ending injuries. And our news and notes this week is brought to you by Halo Neuroscience. Check out com. They will be on hand at the College Gridiron Showcase and Symposium Uh, So, definitely, if you're a player and get invited to the showcase, uh, the Halo Neuroscience team will will be in contact with you. But some news and notes, all four of these players out for the year, whether they will be um, granted a medical redshirt, I think it's a case-by-case basis. So, either player could be eligible for the upcoming draft or they could be granted a medical red shirt. But UNC wide receiver Austin Prohl, collarbone, out for the season. Uh, obviously, the bloodline's there with Ricky. And uh, definitely a guy on the CGS watch list. So Villanova safety, another guy, Rob Roll, ACL, out for the year. Um, unfortunate. Having a great season on the NFL radar now. His uh, status is to be determined, as is linebacker Connor Strachan from Boston College. A knee injury is going to keep him out for the year. He's a guy that, you know, his height, a little bit in-betweener type of prospect, but um, a guy we got a glimpse at on location, up close and personal, someone we were keeping tabs on. Now we have to wait and see if it'll be this year's draft or next year's draft. And then LSU safety, Ed Paris. Uh, a knee injury also putting him out for the year. So four prospects from the College Gridiron Showcase watch list out for the season. And, hey, if they are going to be eligible for the upcoming draft, maybe they will be eligible for the College Gridiron Showcase. So check out cgsallstar.com for all that information and details. Book your flights now, January 6th through the 10th. Addison, Texas will be there. Guys, parting shots. We're going to start it off with Justin Gamble. Go, baby.
3: i got a few things to say here. Uh, I'm looking at Clemson's schedule right now, Um, and with their young quarterback, Austin Bryant, if if that's his name, I'm pretty sure that's his name, they have to face Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. They have to play Georgia Tech at home, then they have to go to NC State, then they come back home and play Florida State. Now, I don't know if that – Yeah, I, I, all it takes is one game for that young quarterback to play poorly against a great defense, um, and they lose a the game, and their you know, playoff hopes might be shattered. Uh, NC State plays them great every single year. NC State almost beats Clemson or gives them a run every single year. Um, Georgia Tech, the triple option, all that crap, that is so hard to stop. Um, I'm just looking and thinking – Does Clemson lose one of these games? And I'm going to go out on the limb and say, absolutely. Clemson is going to lose one of these games. The playoff picture is going to be shaken up. Um, And I'm going to say that it's the NC State game. I think that Ryan Finley, the senior quarterback, I think he has enough experience and he's good enough with that NC State defense behind him to beat Clemson. So uh, I think the playoff is going to take a mad shakeup and it's going to be the Big Ten cannibalizing themselves. And I think Joe might be right. I think Washington might squeeze their way in. Um, And I think Oklahoma might cupcake themselves in by beating Oklahoma State, which is really their only tough test left in the year. So um, my parting shot right there is someone's going to lose a game. There's no way that they get that young quarterback to play consistently enough to beat all these good teams. Um, And I think we're going to see a shakeup this year.
0: Well, you know, it's,
3: it's quite possible. And, you know,
0: that NC State, front line on the defensive side of the ball. I mean those those are some Sunday type of players and um if they do beat Clemson uh then NC State, I mean if they can get past Notre Dame Notre Dame and Clemson back to back really are the only two challenges they're sitting at 3 and 1 right now. Makes you wonder how how high NC State could climb um and that'll be interesting because, like you said, Georgia Tech, NC State, Florida State, then a bye week against Citadel, and then South Carolina. Those are four out of five tough matchups. Uh, quickly, Joe, your thoughts on, on Justin's parting shot and then a parting shot of your own.
2: Well, I I have to – I can't argue it. <laughs> There's a lot of good points. Virginia Tech and the ACC title took them the distance last year, and then – uh, NC State, they took them into overtime and should have won that game. So, and then they got caught by Pittsburgh. That was their one loss last season. So, yeah, it, I wouldn't be shocked if NC State got the job done. Maybe Georgia Tech. Of course, that is after the bye. And, yeah, Florida State always plays them tough. I, I have to agree it's not just uh, peaches and cream there for the Tigers to get back to the playoffs, uh, although they do look strong. And that defensive line is phenomenal. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not going to be so easy. The one shot, I just took a glance at the quarterback class this year, guys. I don't remember there ever being a small school QB group this good. Uh, I think Jeremiah Briscoe from Sam Houston State's a stud, the UAB transfer, and then Devontae Kincaid from Grambling. Uh, you know my boy Kyle Laletta out of Richmond, and then Rick brought him up at the top of the show, Brian Short. Uh, from James Madison, that kid's just a gamer, and uh, none of these guys are midgets. By the by, the way, they're they're athletes; they're big, strong quarterbacks. So I think, and then Chris Striebel, the South Dakota-Minnesota transfer. There's just, uh, you know, there's always that small school quarterback that crops up, in, in, in this class or that class. But I really do believe those uh, th- those top two are quality, and then the two behind them. I re- I think there's like four NFL-type quarterbacks. Uh, come from the FCS
0: here. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And uh, we are really evaluating the quarterbacks to the nitty-gritty this year because I think the senior class especially, uh, you talk about the influx of the FCS prospects, and then you factor in the um, maybe not top-heavy on the senior class prospects, but you, you get to day two, day three, uh, it, it's there's some players out there. It's it's a it's very close in terms of uh, the quarterbacks that could be day two selections or quarterbacks that could go undrafted. I think there's a very fine line, and these next three months will dictate where they go, along with the All Star Circuit, and that's what we do at the Cod's Gridiron Showcase. Now, my parting shot is not as good as Joe or Justin's, but uh all my people from Jersey are going to appreciate it because I'm representing the Jersey Strong agenda and I took a look at the NFL opening day rosters here by the state and Florida's out in front, California is second and Texas is third to be expected. And if you're curious, it's 212 players from Florida, 191 from California, a buck 79 from Texas and no one's even close after that. But When you break it down and take a look at the top ten, you got your Georgia, you got your Ohio, Alabama, Louisiana. Then you got Pennsylvania and New Jersey coming in at number eight. And I'm proud of my New Jersey uh, brethren. You know, we are a small, tiny state, and we are claiming number eight. And, uh, you know, it's a shame that Rutgers cannot keep more of these players like the John Taylors and Ron Danes and Saquon Barkley's of the world in-state. But um, you know what? Jersey's producing a lot of good players and rounding out the top ten, South Carolina, North Carolina. Um, Just some other interesting tidbits. Miami, Florida had 25 players, the biggest city. Houston, 17. Uh, District of Columbia had one player per 54,000 people. That was the top-notch there. But if you're just curious on some of the geography, Utah, the Utah Utes, 23 players on NFL 53-man rosters week one, uh, 259 colleges represented total. And,
2: you know, who is
0: DBU? We always talk about DBU. Um, It's funny. It's, It's the other Florida school. It's the Gators actually leading the way with 10 players. In the NFL, at the defensive back position, so uh, you know Dion Kane on the on the offensive side. Clinton has seven receivers at wide receiver. Deion Kane expected to be the eighth. Um, so Sam Darnold, and you know right now USC and Michigan State are tied for the most quarterbacks in the league with four piece. So Sam Darnold is uh, going to probably put the Trojans over the top there, but just some interesting facts and figures from the NFL opening day rosters, And uh, we were, you know, across the board here with NFL draft talk, heavy FBS, FCS, under the radar, uh, marquee matchups. And then, you know, even discussing some national championship aspirations because all we do is think like winners here at the college of and showcase watch list <laughs> show our 38th episode uh, again, we're on iTunes, we're on Blog Talk, we're on NFLDraftBible.com. You can follow us on social media. Of course, Joe Everett's at Joe W JoeWEverett, uh, Justin Gammels at Gam Scout, And um, we're just going to keep it moving, keep it grooving. We appreciate everybody tuning in. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of happenings and comings and goings. We'll have more updates and announcements in the uh, short term, long term, and Things to come, but in the meantime, we appreciate everybody for tuning in, and we'll be back at it again next week. Till the next time, everybody. Back at it again. It's another edition of the College art Showcase Watchlist Show, tracking the top NFL draft prospects on the planet each and every week. Brought to you by the NFL Draft Bible, broadcasting around the globe with your hosts, Joe Everett, Justin Gamble, and me, the All Rick Saratel, We are on air